Hello, fellow superheroes. <laughs> and action. Superheroes. It is Kelsey Dickerson with Geekin. You shall find the podcast powered by Superhero Faces. This is our third episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are joined by Brad Fay, who is the co-founder of Superhero Faces, as well as the director of Geekin. You shall find. Please make sure to go look at it. It's on almost every streaming platform. We have Noah Berlin who is absolutely amazing, not the, uh, not the villain of this podcast at all, or any podcast in general. No, 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 uh, no uh, villains here, as well as the sweetheart of all cinematic universes, Kate Faye. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We are going to talk about Eternals, which obviously has the number two spot of the Rotten Tomatoes MCU universe of the worst MCU movies. It's actually, I think, gone back to the number one spot. Last week, we talked about Thor, Love, and Thunder, which you'll have to see. You'll have to go take a look at what we thought about it last week uh, and see our thoughts, but it clearly does not deserve the number one spot. But before we get into all of that, Noah, the non-villain of this podcast, Please let us know what you have for nerdy news because we are just so excited. There's been so much stuff going on. It's it's almost too much. It's too much. Almost, almost too much, but never too much or else we wouldn't be doing it. It's never too anything. much. It's it's not enough, actually. Yeah. All right. So uh, starting off with nerdy news, first thing we're going to talk about is video game news. So it's not all just about, uh, about movies, about TV. It's about video games, too. So first off, Hogwarts Legacy, uh, that video game, which is going on PlayStation and Xbox and all, all those, um, it looks really awesome, uh, but it's been delayed again. So it is now slated to come out on February 10th of next year. So hopefully I'm crossing my fingers here that JK Rowling could just shut her mouth and not say anything <laughs> else to make me want to not play this game because <laughs> I'm excited for it. So hopefully, hopefully that happens. Uh, next, there is going to be a Lord of the Rings Gollum video game. So if you've ever wanted to play running around as Smeagol, uh, this game is going to be for you. So I personally have been very interested uh, just because I don't understand why they put names. <laughs> uh, but I'm stoked about it. It basically takes place parallel to the early chapters of Fellowship of the Ring. So basically Bilbo Baggins gets the ring, leaves the cave, and then the game is going to start when... Gollum leaves the cave trying to find Bilbo in the ring. So there you go. Apparently it's going to be a, a stealth action game, more of a puzzle driven than a combat driven, but there's also going to be a choice mechanic, which a lot of games now role-playing games have. And this will be funny because it's kind of like the Smeagol side versus the Gollum side. So you have to get, you have to not guess, you have to make the choices of which one you want to do. So it's like, I'm thinking, you know, you grab a disgusting fish out of the river like do you bite its head off in a gross way or do you let it swim or by i don't know is it smeagol or gollum i don't know but uh i'm maybe excited for the game i'm not exactly sure <laughs> my precious right like my, gotta... my precious my precious yeah uh it's not going to be andy circus voicing gollum so i don't know i was gonna ask that yep uh next uh there's rumors swirling online that the distribution rights for the Hulk will go back to Marvel Studios starting next year. This is really big. Um they made a deal 15 years ago with Paramount where Paramount gets distribution rights from the first movie that they released. So considering the Incredible Hulk was released 15 years from June of 2023, it was June of 2008. 
Uh, that will be coming next year. So this could be big news where Hulk could actually have his own feature film and not just be a supporting character in movies like Thor Ragnarok and The Avengers and She-Hulk, which is coming out and stuff like that. So it's pretty exciting if you're a fan of uh, the big green machine, I guess. Um, <laughs> next uh, bit of news is about Warner Brothers Discovery, who is the owner of the DC Extended Universe. They had a shareholders meeting recently and the president and CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, David Laslov, laid out plans. They're going to come out with a 10-year plan uh, to helm these movies and hopefully have a cohesive direction for it, similar to what Kevin Feige has done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm skeptical for a lot of reasons. Um, but it, it's a good start. I mean, they have a little bit late start, but I'm glad they're at least taking steps to move in the right direction there. What, what do you guys think about that? Uh, I mean, that's a lot of news to digest. And I feel like you didn't even hit on like some of the biggest news of potentially. Oh, I'm not done. I'm not done. Oh, you're not done. Okay. Okay. I, oh, I don't want to ruin. I don't want to ruin. I'm not going to be the villain of this podcast. So I, I think you're already there. <laughs> I think you're already there. I, I, I am the villain of this podcast. <laughs> All right, so I'm moving on. Speaking of DC Extended Universe, Ezra Miller, star of The Flash, is in trouble yet again, this time for felony burglary in the state of Vermont. So I was thinking as I was preparing for this pod, I kind of want to play a game with you guys. Um, we're going to play a, a game called True or Made Up, and this is going to be the Ezra Miller edition. So I'm going to read headlines of stories involving Ezra Miller's run-ins with the law. And you are going to tell me if you think that these stories are true or if they are made up. Oh, are you, uh, you guys so, got it? so Noah, what is like, what, what do we win or lose? Like, what is it? A chuggler? Like, is it like the next episode? Like we got a chuggler, we got a shot. What's, what are, where are the stakes here? I, I, I like this. I, I like the control that I have over this and the power here. So um, I'll get back to you. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure that that everybody watching will see what the winner or the losers get for this in a future episode. But oh, I'm putting on the spot now. I just want to get into the game. So first one, you ready? Yes. Are we okay. each going to answer and then you tell us at the end? Uh, I'm not buzzing in. Yeah, I'm going to read the headline. Each uh, of you will give your answer, true or made up, and then I will tell you if you are correct. Okay. Okay. So first one. Miller was arrested in Hawaii earlier this year and charged with disorderly conduct and harassment after an incident at a karaoke bar where he allegedly got agitated at a couple for singing the Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper song Shallow from A, Store, a Star is Born. Okay. Is that true or made up? 100% true. I'm going to say made up. Kelsey? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Does this count? Like, I'm just sitting here like... <laughs> Wait, I'm changing it. I'm changing it. Yes, true, I'm not going to give it alone. True. Yeah. Okay, once again, he was arrested for harassing a couple because right. they sang the Lady Gaga song. Gaga. <laughs> or made up. I'm going to say true. I'm going to say true. 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 It, is, it is, in fact, true. It is, in fact, true. All right. You all got it right. Proud of you all. Next one. In June, two parents obtained a protective order against Ezra Miller for allegedly physically and emotionally abusing their 18-year-old daughter. Miller was accused of giving the daughter uh, drugs and alcohol and says that Miller displayed cult-like and psychologically manipulative behavior. Is that true or is that made up? I'm this sounds like true. No, it didn't make that shit up. 
I'm gonna, okay, so it is true, but I think the girl was a lot younger. So I'm gonna say, oh. I was gonna say that this sounds very uh, R. Kelly ish. So I'm gonna say false because I think this is an R. Kelly headline. Oh man, I don't want to change mine again. So I'll, I'll stick with true, but I'm starting to think it's false now. Okay, well, I didn't say anything about him peeing on the the woman. <laughs> so it's not an R. Kelly headline. And it actually is true. It is true. Damn. So, so far, Ezra Miller not looking like a great person. All right, next one. A mother and a 12-year-old child obtained another protection order that was granted this time by a judge. The family, as well as the neighbor, alleged that Miller came to the family's home in Massachusetts and began yelling at them about cultural appropriation. After the protection order was granted, he continued returning to this house and yelling at them once again about cultural appropriation. Is it true or is that made up? That's false. I'm going to go with Kate. I think Kate like has a good like sense I'm, on I'm saying story. true. Okay. Well, Brad, you would be correct. It is also true. What? It is also true. I have yeah. never heard this story. It made me think of that video. What was that video he filmed like on his TikTok, Kate, that we watched? Oh, that was with the, it was actually a good one because he was hating on the KKK. Right. So that's why I thought, of it. that's what I thought like in this one. I was like, okay. He's, he's politically right. correct. We, we How saw does he have the time? Honestly, like. How does he have the time? He's speedy. He runs in hell. I mean, the crazy the crazy thing about this is I think that each of these crimes or whatever were all in different locations. So it does seem like he's speeding to a different location, raising hell, and then off to the next one, and they just can't catch his ass. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny to me though. All right, next one. True or made up. Miller helped a mother and three uh, three small children who he met in Hawaii gave them refuge at his home in Vermont. Police then raided the ranch after there were claims that there was frequent drug use in front of the little children and that the home was littered with unattended guns and bullets. Someone even claims to have said that the one-year-old child was found with a bullet in its mouth. Is that true or is that make-believe? Made up. I'm, I'm going with false again. I, I don't I'm going to say that's... true. I don't think that's Ezra Miller. That's some other degenerate. <laughs> You're like, he's not that philanthropic, actually, in his crimes. <laughs> Kelsey, what's your guess? I say, I say true. I say that's true. Okay, well, Kate, you are incorrect. That is also true about it. Noah, what? everything is true. Listen, I, I did not make up these stories, obviously. Um, Ezra Miller does crazy things. So there we go. Last one. You ready for the last one? <laughs> This Brad is true, is Noah, I swear to God. I'm a, yeah, I'm batting a, I'm batting a I know, I was doing Brad like logic. All right. True or it's make like, believe. True it's like believe. on a test, like you have to like mark either B or C for all of them and you'll get like at least 50%. Like this is not exactly. the case. I'm like all of them are true. It has to be false. This is not a Scantron, I promise you. Uh, all right. Number two pencils not needed for this game. Uh, true or make believe. Police were called to Miller's home at 3 a.m. in response to a neighbor's noise complaint. When the officer arrived, he found Miller playing the bongos while naked in front of a window while their friend clapped and danced along. Miller pushed the officer who proceeded to spin him around while still naked, handcuff him, and take him to jail. Take them to jail, excuse me. Is that true or is that made up? 
I'm gonna say that one's made up. I'm gonna say that one's made up. Unless you just picked all true ones, like that is too much. That one is too much. I know, I know, right? I know. I'm like, you didn't play bongos naked. I feel like that's definitely something that he would do, but I also feel like Matthew McConaughey got arrested for that. Right? Maybe that's a Matthew McConaughey. Or am I slandering right now? You know what? Like, honestly, like, I agree. No, like, I think Brad, like, drawing the like, that's too much. Like, (laughs) I think I'm going to say this is false because I'm going to go with Kate on this one and be like, oh, this was another, like, person obviously having a great time. Maybe PCP. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm going to, like, have a good time. Yeah. All right. Well, that is the answer. So, um, Kate, I have to say, you win the game because it was indeed Matthew McConaughey. That was the one false one about Ezra Miller. What? So you didn't win the game. I was going to say, how did I win? <laughs> you won because you knew not only was that it was false, but you got the bonus points of Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Therefore, in my book, hey, this is my game. Kate wins. <laughs> Hell yeah. But Honestly, uh, fans... Yeah. If any of you are listening to this and think that this sounds kind of problematic, this sounds like Ever Miller, maybe not somebody that a huge company would want to put their money behind, don't you worry, because the DC Universe Flash is still <laughs> planning on being released next year in 2023. So don't Okay, flash. so there's another thing. Obviously, this was like more of a social media type, like, oh, maybe it's like some kind of like, this is true, but it could be true, not true, not true, whatever someone like hypothesized that there was the potential that wb was harboring ezra miller as a fugitive and wasn't letting other people know that they were there as they were filming and i like honestly like after especially that you say was that five six seven like news headlines that were clearly geared towards him or them like geared towards them like I can see that being true of like being like WB is like totally in on this harboring a fugitive. Like they're like, I want to stop, stop you right there. You are besmirching the good name of Michigan J frog. who has been accused <laughs> of nothing other than being very racist in the past. So you need yeah. to be careful what you say about Michigan J frog. <laughs> I think uh, the frog is like, he has nothing to do with it. So I would never say that. I would say the producers and like the directors that. It's the Dabba Yuppie. Okay. okay. I had no idea what you were talking about. First. You don't know? Oh my God. You don't remember that? Oh, the slightly racist um, frog that danced and introduced. His name's Michigan. <laughs> Michigan J Frog. You don't remember that? Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't his name in like the original Warner Brothers cartoons. Maybe we'll do a podcast all about the history of Michigan J Frog next. Yeah, we should actually, and like Brad is going to host it. I'm a, yeah, <laughs> we're going to do a documentary about Michigan J Frog. <laughs> uh, very Speaking good. of documentaries, please make sure to go watch Geek, and you shall find it's almost on every platform that we have. Uh, it obviously has a lot of great information there. And it's why we've spearheaded this podcast because we wanted to make sure to dive in more into a lot of different things, including the MC universe. So today we are talking about Eternals, uh, which was originally ranked as the worst MCU movie uh, in uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Last week we talked about Thor: Love and Thunder, um, which 
has been overtaken. I think a lot of Thor fans have come into its rescue because we uh, had some opinions on it, as, as does everyone else. But Noah, for anyone who's not familiar, I've watched it twice. I'm confused. I don't know what Eternals is all about. For anyone that is in the same boat as me, where are we at with Eternals? Who are they? Where are we at in the MCU? Please help people like me. What is Eternals? Where are we at? You know, that's a great question because this one's pretty <laughs> unique. So Eternals were originally created by Jack Kirby back in 1971 and then made their debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in 2021. The storyline of the film spans thousands of years, tells the story of quote unquote Earth's original superheroes, a group of ancient superhero being superpowered beings created by godlike cosmic entities called the Celestials. So the story begins when the titular characters first arrived on Earth, exploring their time in Mes Mesopotamia in 5000 BC. That's when they first came to Earth. Then throughout history, Babylon 275 BC, Hiroshima in 1945, and so on and so on. A lot of other important times throughout human history. The story is told in a non-linear fashion, jumping back and forth through the adventures in the past, and then the team splitting up and then being reunited in the present day MCU when the planet comes under threat once again from the deviants who are their enemies throughout their history. Much of the plot focuses on the characters influencing of humans' evolution and their development beginning several millennia ago when they first arrived aboard their ship, the Domo. So overall, this film seems to be the most disconnected from the MCU as a whole, uh, more than any other project we've seen so far. It's partly because these are entirely new characters uh, to the vast majority of the viewers. A lot of people know nothing, myself included, honestly, about the Eternals prior to this movie. Uh, but also because up to this point, these characters have not interacted with any of the other Mar Marvel characters in any of the other Marvel movies. So throughout the movie, there is dialogue about things like what they were doing uh, during the whole time of the battle against Thanos. Spoiler alert, they did literally nothing. Uh, they, they talked about who they think will take the lead of the Avengers now that Captain Rogers and Tony Stark are now gone. And they also reference Odin and Laufey, who is Loki's father, uh, at some point. So on one hand, Marvel's Eternals is a blank slate. It's a true origin story uh, and an introduction to over a dozen new characters um, from the Eternals to the Deviants, to the Celestials, to Jon Snow. I mean, uh, Dane Whitman, I believe his name is. Yes, Dane Whitman. <laughs> but with that, has the very ambitious task of creating a cohesive story with a huge cast like this. So were they successful? Were they not? That's for us to debate today. Yeah, so we'll definitely get into that and like we're really breaking it down of like why we think it has this rating, if we think it deserves it. Um, but to your point, so like for anyone that's not familiar, I would say like deviants, like what are deviants? Like just for anyone that's not familiar before we get into our MVP, LVP. You want me to help you out? Brad, if you know this, like. Yeah, you want me to help you out? Yeah, go ahead, Brad. I think, so the Celestials basically put them here and their original, I forget what their original task was, but it basically started to evolve and started to become like the apex yeah. predator and like. But that, that's what it was. It was, yeah. it was the fact that they needed, the, the Celestials needed humans to continue to grow on Earth but Earth already had apex predators, dinosaurs, animals, shit like that, right? So they brought in the deviants to just take out the apex predators so humans could be left on their own. The problem was deviants began to evolve and then they started killing they became, well. Yeah. 
So the Celestials created the Eternals to basically do what they originally planned for the Deviants. Eternals would come to Earth, kill the Deviants, and leave humans and assist humans throughout evolution to continue to grow and populate the Earth. Got it. Okay. Thank that was you so much. a lot better than I thought. Like that, I was like, Noah, you are a lucky college today. Um, I'm the villain podcast, so I got to sell it. Um, so Brad, like, obviously like you did a great job. Thank you so much for explaining what Noah couldn't. <laughs> no, just kidding. So Brad, for you, I mean, obviously like, you know, this is the first time that we're seeing like, you know, a lot of different characters, the celestials, the eternals, like all these different things are like being like being introduced to us. Who is the MVP for you in this movie? Uh, so I had for my MVP, I had just the overall like characterization of the characters the fact that like you and Noah both pointed out they are introducing so many characters at once it'd be really easy to just have them kind of fit like cliches oh he's the funny one he's this and like maybe there's that a little bit but I really felt like you got a good understanding of who each character was like at a semi-deeper level which would be really hard to do when introducing like a dozen new characters I felt like we walked away kind of knowing like this character is this, but also that. So I really just like the characterization that was kind of done and like that each character had a little bit of depth, which is really hard to do in like an ensemble cast where they're like, you're the tech guy, you just do tech stuff. Like he was more than that. So I, I really thought they did a good job of that. Just like you're the puppet guy. I'm the puppet guy, that's my Great thing. Call, like, that's that's all I am. <laughs> oh my God. All right, Kate, Noah, was there any MVPs for you? <clears throat> Go ahead, Noah. Okay, uh, I'll take it. So for me, the MVP was Cersei. And was it because she ended up killing Tiamat, the, the Celestial at the end? No, that is not why. It's because Gemma Chan is just so attractive and I love her. And every <laughs> I scene knew you were going to say that she was hot. I knew hey, it. I could listen, feel it in my bones. Listen, every scene she was in, I wanted more of. I like her very much. She, she's incredible. I love her. Uh, also, though, honorable mention for me, uh, the MVP of the film could be Makari. Uh, so she, Makari, uh, played by Lauren Ridloff. Uh, to me, she stole every scene that she was in. She essentially is kind of like the Flash. I mean, she has super speed and all that, but she was so much more than that. Uh, she's a, a diverse actress, half black, half Mexican, deaf. Um, and she they, they made her... I don't know, they, they portrayed her in a way that was just incredible with the way she still acted. She obviously didn't say a word, she's deaf, but yeah. she was so good. Her fight scenes were unbelievable. The chemistry that she had acting alongside Barry Keown, which is uh, plays Druid, I think that was such a small part of the movie and it really wasn't even um, important, but the chemistry that they had together was amazing. Macari, I thought was just awesome. You're right, that's a good point because she's so good that I remember being mad that she was the last one that went back to yeah. like recruit i was like i want her in this like go get her now she's not gonna like argue she's not like one of the one like there were some people that they were like oh he's gonna be really difficult he's not having it you know so i didn't see any reason why they waited so long before they got her but yeah i remember thinking the same thing brad's like uh she knows her place just kidding <laughs> never <laughs> all right Kate. what what would you say who's the mvp for you okay well i also had cersei but because she saved reason, the world same reason kate same i mean she is ah, she's ah. gorgeous like she is beautiful uh so she's obviously like 
nice to look at throughout the movie for sure <laughs> but she also did save the world and is a total badass so that is she's one of my mvps for that but i also had um maybe an unlikely one um which was druid um because i thought it was cool that he was the only one that was questioning this authority throughout the entire time that they're there and what their purpose was um because they had to explain a little bit more like they had the the ajac which was like the leader of their group and just kind of telling them like hey don't interfere with humans you know we're here to just save them from these deviants and that's it and he's kind of like well i have all these powers that can like really help people and like save people and and all this and she's like no and he's kind of questioning that throughout the whole time um so i thought that that was really interesting and i like that about his character and then also i had Thena because i just love her i love her character angelina jolie was so good and her fight scenes were so awesome like i just really enjoyed watching that character especially you know when she had the mad weary or whatever that's called as a weird name um but yeah i just really liked her trajectory through the movie and thought she especially was like speaking of hot like angelina jolie to me like keeps on getting hotter and hotter like how is that she even was gorgeous like can't take her eyes off of her <laughs> absolutely gorgeous i agree with you kate especially because like obviously like they have this whole idea of like these gods forget about their past lives and that's why like they start with like a new like obviously and so like being able to watch them um kind of come into their own and like still kind of find themselves i think is like a great mvp for me as well um but obviously this movie i think it has a 46 or 49 percent it's either 46 or 49 i think it's 49 it's definitely less than 50 percent on rotten tomatoes it has reclaimed its number one spot in the worst mcu movie on rotten tomatoes obviously we have found positives in it uh we talked about our mvps but who are the lvps or what are the lvps brad let's start off with you because there's definitely some lvps in this movie <laughs> i had the deviants um just i don't like the mindless like you know, and obviously, you know, the, the, the leader of them or whatever that was like absorbing their powers, he, uh, uh, you know, evolved and became a little bit more and was able to talk. But I'm just not a big fan of when Marvel does the mindless robots running around and the Avengers have to fight all these robots. And like, I want a villain with like a little bit more depth. And it, you know, they were just like, advanced lions and bears and it just made for okay so we're gonna have a bunch of like mindless fight scenes where i don't really you know the villain's not interesting it's not like a dr doom element where i understand what they're doing i'm like okay i'm watching these people like beat up on these apex predators and you know i just thought for like a long time that kind of slowed down the movie and i didn't think all those long fight scenes were necessary because we obviously knew like they're gonna end up okay so that just didn't add anything to me. I completely agree with you, actually. And, and the thing is, like, they didn't exist for anything other than advancing the story because we needed action scenes to advance to the next story beat, right? So, like, they just, like, oh, they're all talking. And then all of a sudden, oh, the Deviant showed up. And then now they have to fight them. And that's going to take us to the next beat. So it just it was kind of, I, I agree with you about that. Yeah, it's almost like a shitty version of Transformers, right? 
there was a shot where it i forget which no i think it was one of the celestials it was a shot that i was like that is megatron right now like <laughs> I, but i but i think it was the celestials i did learn after watching it the second time and doing like a little bit more research that in the comics the um deviants are more humanoid so they are mm -hmm. kind of like how that one guy was and like that was like some criticism that like fans of the book went of like Yo, the deviants are cool. Some of them are like not as evil as others. There's like a little bit more depth. And they took them and just made them like ferocious beasts. And that was it. So I could definitely see as like a fan of the original kind of being upset. Like you took these really like layered characters and just made them like lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Especially because they were trying to make it like, oh, like every like very momentous occasion in human history, right? was like, okay, they were being overseen by the eternal. So obviously there had to be like a villain, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like these, like whatever, like these, I guess, what would you like robot? Like there, are they robots? Like, what are they? Like creatures, yeah, creatures. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, you know, like obviously like throughout history, like they are there. So it makes more sense that they, had a human element to them versus just being like these very dumb, like, oh, whatever, they're just here. And like, they're like the apex predator because obviously these humans are predators ourselves, right? Our ideas and like, you know, trying to like, you know, crash like, uh, like other, like, or like the ideals that like we would think in like history. Do you think they just took all the animals who didn't make James Cameron's avatar cut and then just like use those? <laughs> Like all those actors that didn't get hired for James Cameron's avatar just got cast to be, and they're like, "Oh, we'll take you. You could, you could be a deviant." They were supposed to be blue. You think those are done by actors? The only thing, and you're, and by the way, like I said, I agree with you. They could definitely be the LVP. The only thing is that really, like, they are not the real villain of the movie. Like, were the celestials the actual villain was icarus the actual villain? you know what i mean like they were just yeah. a, a method to advance the plot which makes them even more pointless to be honest but but less important so i don't know i, mean, I have another lvp for me um i thought that in general when they there was 10 eternals each of them are unique with their power set their personalities what they do to advance the plot all that stuff is interesting to an extent you know some more than others but the least interesting and and by far the the lvp for me was sprite i just think sprite was just was a whack character which is the worst i mean just the i mean like what do we know about sprite she looks like a child for some reason and she doesn't like that and so she wants to grow up you know she she's jealous. Like, is she, she like tinkerbell of like she, this well, universe like they talk about that you know they yeah. talk about that but she loves icarus and she's jealous of Cersei, but like there's really nothing to her. Like she does cool illusions, like that's her power is cool, I guess. But as a character, she just sucked. Uh, and then she she stabbed Cersei, which I was personally offended by. Uh, <laughs> you wanted to stab her? Don't that this is a family friendly. Hi. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sir, uh, Sprite sucked. Uh, I mean, that's really like. Yeah, sorry, Kate, what were you saying? I was gonna, gonna say, like, she was obviously my LVP. I feel very strongly about this. And I have, here are my bullet points on her. She complains for 7,000 years about <laughs> being a child, which I know, listen, being a teenager sucks, but like, 
you have 7,000 years to deal with this, like get over it. Um, she turns on her best friend, well, what seems to be her best friend, Cersei, for Rob Stark, Icarus, who doesn't even love her. Like he doesn't like you. And then she is a badass eternal. Like she has cool powers. She gives it all up to get a boyfriend, stupid. And then even when Cersei is nice enough to turn her into a human, she complains about having to go to school. I can't, that's right. You're done. Yeah, let's, let's recap that real quick, Kate, because you are you are completely right. So, all right, last we see Sprite, she tried to murder Cersei, right? Tries to kill her, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, whatever, whatever. Tries to murder. Cersei gets away, doesn't matter, saves the world. And then all they're all celebrating together, Sprite rolls up like, oh, um, can we just forget about what happened to me? Or what happened to her? I don't know, like, no big deal. Doesn't say anything. And then fucking Cersei, sorry, sorry. So, <laughs> Cersei comes up and is like, hey, I am real powerful. I could make you a human. And she's like, yeah, make me a human. It's like, damn, you greedy. What? <laughs> right? What? Like, you're an eternal. Like, why do you want to be human? Like, like all, all of a sudden, like all of a sudden now you're in a position to be asking for things. You just stabbed her five minutes ago. And then, <laughs> She gets what she wanted and then she's complaining oh i gotta go to school social studies class or whatever man sprite sucks Get Daddy out of here. and actually <laughs> i won't i won't mention it but we have a segment later coming up best line my favorite line of the movie was when <laughs> uh was when kumail nanjiani uh uh kingo was just like druig was being weird and he's just like druig sucks that's the way I feel about Sprite. Sprite sucks. Dude. Okay, well, let's just roll into it. Like, we're going to go back to, like, uh, I'm sorry. I, I way too far ahead. I'm throwing everything off. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. I think I think we definitely covered the cringiest moment is just any moment with Sprite because she fucking sucks. Like, <laughs> she just does. Like, to your point, like, you guys made, like, you guys were absolutely correct. Like, she could be so cool. But they just turned her into this very like stereotypical like oh i'm a teenager like i'm mad and i don't like this and it's like okay like as we've already established like clearly these eternals every single time that they like re like you know they reanimate so spray has been like this for centuries and lifetimes at a time so she's stabbing she's probably stabbing cersei every fucking hundred years and then Cersei's probably making her a human and she doesn't like it like that's bullshit that's a bullshit in my mind like fuck off like I'm sorry like you would just like you're you're shitty like I'm sorry you're shitty it's almost like it reminds me too of like you know like interview with a vampire where like they turn like you know they turn Kirsten Dunn's character into a vampire and she's she's like 12 years old and I get with that because like you literally like can't kill her unless like you stab her in the fucking heart but like for her, it's like she is literally like she has all of these emotions that have built up over hundreds of years, but like she knows all of them. And like those are a part of her forever until she dies. But like with Sprite, it's like you're reanimated every however many times it happens. Like, you know what I mean? Like so it just makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. And she is the LVP. She is the cringe and she is just terrible. Like she she could have been cut out of that movie and it would make it a hundred times better and probably cut the movie by like 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> Brad is like so not happy about this. <laughs> I feel like we said all we need to say. Man, I think we said all we need to say. I don't we're, think she we're heated a, about this, this much hate. Yeah, I don't think she 
deserves this much hate. She ain't great, but damn. <laughs> so moving forward, though, we obviously, we, we all agree we dislike Sprite very much. <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm not even going to say that. I'm taking a, a neutral, I'm Switzerland all, on this. We The three of us hate Sprite. Uh, Brad is a Sprite apologist. Don't roll me into this. Yeah. Okay, um, Brad. So, there's also been other stuff within our friend group that you are Switzerland on and you have been wrong about it. So let's just leave it at that. <laughs> all right, moving on. So moving on. we all established we, for the most part, dislike Sprite. What other things in the movie that we haven't talked about so far, you know, did you not like? Did you think was either cringy or just, you know, you disliked in general? Like, what, what, what do you feel about that? I've got a really heartless one. The children. Oh, you were, you were like talking mad shit about us, like of like a character that clearly deserves hate. Like, I'm, and now I'm, you. I'm not saying I liked her. I'm just saying like I wasn't like that mad about her. Like she didn't like yeah. infuriate me. Like she clearly infuriated some <laughs> on here. Like that's all I'm, I'm not saying. Not sleepover sprite, so it's good. It's all right. My um like other thing that I didn't like was just the laziness of children being saved all the time. Like, as terrible as it sounds, like, it seems like every scene when the deviants appeared, they would kill an adult really quick and then look at a kid and then they were about to get, like, I swear they did this three or four times at least. And that's when the Eternals came in. And I was like, all right, like, get creative with it. Like, there's got to be other threats in life than if they don't show up now, this kid's going to die. It happens so many times. It happened in the opening scene, the guy's fishing gets eaten, it's about to get the kid, that's when the Eternals first show up. Okay, cool, you're establishing they saved the little kid. But I swear they went back to that well like three or four times every time the Eternals came, or every time the Deviants came, they killed an adult really quick. And then when they were about to get the kid that was accompanying that adult, that's when the Eternals popped up. And the kids seemed to give no regards to their parents that just got got either. Like, they were just like, thank you, here's a weapon. Oh, cool, like, listen. I I expect things like that to be said by the kid hater. I know. I'm surprised to hear you say that. That's how bad it is. That's how like overdone it is. Like Kelsey would get mad if that happened like one time. Like why'd that kid get saved? (laughs) But like there were barely any children in this movie and children were getting saved left and right. Like I'm like, there aren't kids in all these situations. Like stop. So that was I would just say like I agree with that like 100% but like because like they obviously are established as like the protectors of humans the future of humans and like hu- humanity is like kids so like I mean that makes sense mm-hmm. but it's also like it puts that onus on or it puts that onus on like oh like in movies like to be the most important thing right and it's like that's not always the case like so I agree with you Brad yeah it just seemed like they were making it like oh this is so I'm like I'm not like a like I don't know. I'm like obviously too old for this, but like when you're a kid, you're like, oh my God, the, the stakes are so much higher. This child, like, oh my God. But I'm like, I'm old enough now. Like these are movies. So like you should have different techniques to kind of like raise the stakes a little bit. Like don't go to that three or four times in the movie to be like, yeah. thank God for the Eternals or this one kid would have died. But 20 minutes ago, we showed a thousand people died. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's that's actually a great point. It's like it doesn't show like the like gravity of it, right? Like when it does like a very like very focused like scene of like maybe that's like something because it was such a slow movie that they were just trying to like loop people in. I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely like 
tugging on the heartstrings probably of like parents who are in the audience maybe that like resonates more if you're a parent watching this movie your child seeing a child in danger but it just seemed like i'm like as screenwriters like you should get a little bit more creative and be like okay we've already put random child in danger and I, i'm telling you if you go back and rewatch it's like they did this twice like even two times okay there were like three or four times that it was like the same exact routine it's almost like a John Wick type situation where it's like, okay, there's only only so many times I can see someone like kill someone with a fucking pencil. Like, okay, I get it. You're a <laughs> badass. Don't like, okay, you I got it. There is never too many times <laughs> to watch Keanu Reeves murder some some uh, I don't know I Eastern European mob members or whatever. <laughs> You're telling me, and I know Kate will agree with this. Uh, there's never too many Keanu Reeves like movies, like war scenes. Like, I absolutely agree. And speaking of scenes, obviously there were some things that didn't really make sense. Like, you know, this movie, in my opinion, was a little slow moving, but Kate, was there like a best scene for you? Was there a best scene, a best line? I mean, Noah had a great line earlier. Um, he stole your thunder a little bit, it's fine. What would you say? Um, so <clears throat> for the best scene, I had, there wasn't one that like really stuck out to me and grabbed me. But so I put down like the freezing of Tima, I think his name is, the celestial that's in earth or whatever. So basically the ending when Cersei uses her powers, which she feels very unconfident about the whole time. It seemed like, it just seemed like she felt like she was kind of inadequate versus the other Eternals and their powers. So it was kind of cool to see that growth where she felt confident enough as like the new leader to use those to freeze the celestial and basically save the earth um and i just thought the visuals and like the cinematography of that like the whole huge hand and stuff coming out of the ocean was really cool so that was probably my favorite scene okay what about brad noah did you guys have a favorite scene that like differed with that like was or not even a favorite scene like was there something that really grabbed your attention that you're like yo this is really cool Right. No, you go. I do got uh, like my, and I'm not saying this to like clown. I really thought it was good. Like, I did like I don't want to say 180 on this movie. The first time I watched it, I didn't really enjoy it. This time, I I really felt like it was a much better movie. So I'm not saying this as like a backhanded compliment, but I, I put the best scene, and there were a lot of good scenes. But I put the closing credits when they're going through all the history of the mythology and how like all these like renaissance paintings were basically recreations of i was like why was this not the opening of the film like it was so well done taking and you can tell i don't know if it was jack kirby doing it in the originals if it was the filmmakers that did this but there are certain elements from all these paintings and mythological heroes that they clearly took and put in these heroes and it was kind of cool to see that Oh, they're saying that like this was inspired by St. George slaying the dragon was really one of the Eternals doing it. I, I thought that was really cool. And like, it would have been a great opening scene to kind of be like, this is how long they've been around. They've like inspired all these things you don't know about. So I put the closing credits, but that's not meant as like, you know, shade. Well, that's a great point too, because like, obviously like so many, like, and that would also like take care of like the idea of so many um, like cultures around the world all time have very similar stories so it's like you know like having like the eternals that are part of it and like maybe it's like similar stories or they're trying to help them like whether it's like create fire or whether it's like a flood or like whatever it might be 
Um, so, I mean, that's like actually like a really great point, but no, I know I was, so I actually like really love that Brad said that he turned a 180 before this podcast. We were like, yo, Brad and Noah are going to go like head to head with uh, this. Like <laughs> they have such different things, but Noah, what was, what was like, uh, what was like the best moment for you in the Eternals? Yeah. So you're exactly right, Kelsey. And, and Brad admits to turning a 180 here, but his favorite part of the movie was when it was over. Is basically just That's, yeah. I didn't mean it like that. I just meant like the visuals of that was really cool. Not like I, I am I so glad, but yeah, I I felt like so like weird saying that. I'm like I liked I, it when the closing credits began to run. <laughs> He's like I liked it when it was fucking over. Like I'm done. I'm over it. Um, so I I feel like was in the minority who actually liked this movie upon first watch, and then when I watched it again, I actually liked it even more. Um, but Brad, I completely agree with what you just said i think it was really cool how when they talk about um when um john snow dane whitman is talking to cersei and uh, about her ex-boyfriend icarus and oh it's uh you know the the greek uh legend of the guy who flew too close to the sun she's like oh yeah sprite made that up uh back in the day and it's like oh that that's cool how you see how all of these legends, all these stories were inspired by these characters. And so just kind of going down the list a little bit, like Athena, she is based on Greek mythology. Obviously, she's the goddess of war, Athena, right? So that's pretty cool. Makari, based on Roman mythology, based on Mercury, um, which is Hermes in, in Greek. Uh, Icarus, obviously, as we just talked about, and, and really apropos, he, he flies into the sun at the end of the film once he realizes his cause is done i guess he lost whatever uh cersei inspired by the character cersei who had interactions with odysseus and all that it's just gilgamesh sumerian it's there's so much cool stuff where all of these characters inspired legends and mythology and history all, all throughout the world and i think that that was even from the first time the ones i didn't even realize were something that i enjoyed the most about this i oh. love that element of it like, yeah i love that and and going um you know, skipping back a little bit, um, my favorite scene in the movie was the in the third act when that fight scene happened towards the end, and it was kind of Icarus versus Fastos, who was pinning them down. And I thought that was really badass. How he was able to invent these things and and restrain him. Makari was just such a badass, just beating his ass. Like she did really well in this fight. Um, and Thena, who was just such a badass. And so kind of the Thea Fastos, Makari versus Icarus fight on the beach at the end was really cool. So to me, that was that was my favorite scene. I did have one other one to add to your list, but I can't find time. I could not find confirmation of this. So if anyone can find if this is why he was named, but Fastos, I think is named There's like a German myth called Foss. And it's about like a German scientist and it's basically like the story that inspired Frankenstein that later would inspire Frankenstein of like messing with things you don't know about and like making scientific advancements before like civilization's ready. So I'm like, it can't be a coincidence that the guy who was making the engine and developed the atomic bomb as they showed, like, but I could not find anything as to why that character is named Fastos. But I'm like, that has to be a playoff of Faust. 
Yeah, so so what I read was that Fastos was based off of Hephaestus, which was the Greek god and the god of the forge, which yeah. played powers as an inventor and and creator. And that, like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I always picture him to be as like really form. ugly and like disfigured. Yeah, yeah, he is like he lives Tyler. at the bottom of the thing, but that makes sense. He introduces like fire to or like weapons to humanity and stuff. So I'm glad you said that. That's cool. And and really, I think that he was another um, to to jump backwards a little bit. Um, um, Fastos, I think, was a, a candidate for unsung hero, someone I would have liked to see more of. I mean, I think the actor Brian Tyree Henry, he's in uh, Atlanta, which is the show that the Donald Glover show, and he plays the rapper Paperboy, uh, and he's just freaking awesome. And he's just so different uh, from his role in Atlanta compared to his role here. And he's in other things as well, obviously, but uh, he's just a really good actor. And I thought that for the limited screen time he had, he just was really passionate. Um, and really, I kind of felt, uh, you know, he gave up on humanity after Hiroshima and seeing what they had done with the technology that he brought to the world. Uh, and then he found a partner and 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 started a family and and it became the most important thing in the world to him. So I, I just kind of felt that a little bit. And I think that I would like to see a little bit more of him. Well, and continuing that theme, obviously, like we kind of talked about this a little bit with like Thor, Love and Thunder of like, you know, like love truly is like the most powerful thing. And like, that is what ultimately saves our universe and every universe and Thor, um, like, you know, Gore, obviously like finding out like, oh, like truly, like I had so much hate in my heart. And like, this was what was like making me like, this was like my, um, like, you know, like my like, uh, like purpose in life, I guess was like a lot of hate. So like having that and like seeing that I think is also really important, especially like having that representation too. I think it's so important that I, I personally really love like that a lot of movies are doing that. And especially in like movies that are so like, you know, having such a huge reach, like, and we talked about this before. Um, we're going to get to this point in a little bit, but um, we've talked about this before of like, you know, I think like a lot of people like maybe hate on these movies because of that, but we obviously really think it's very important to have that representation. But um, before we get into that, uh, does anyone have any more just overall positives, things that you loved about this movie? For me, I, in addition to like, I really liked the individual characters and to your point, Noah, you, you made this point earlier, um, talking about like how like having such a wide cast and being able to like really kind of dive into people and like know like their backgrounds is really rare for such a wide cast, especially like for a, a group of superheroes. Um, but I love the, the cinematography of this movie. It was gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Like everything was done so well, like the actors I think were perfectly cast. Like, and then obviously too, like having like, you know, we all love uh, Game of Thrones. So having a little Rob Stark and Jon Snow moment was just amazing to me. Uh, I love that. But what you guys, what have we not touched on before? Um, Kate, I think like you, obviously like you have said a lot of like great things about this movie. Obviously you have like the background. It looks great. You look great in this background. Like you look like you should be a part of this movie. <laughs> I wish. I wish I was in this at all. Um, I'm kind of with Brad. Where I the first time I watched it, I was not super hype on it. I was kind of like, okay, that was a movie. But um, the second time that I watched it today, 
I kind of changed my mind a little bit. I'm like, okay, like I can get into this. This is good. There's like some really good things about this movie. And I agree with the cinematography. Like that was great. Um, I also loved the relationship between Dina and Gilgamesh, like him kind of being her protector while she was like going through this whole, like her mind being taken over by all the memories that she has from other centuries and other lives and everything. Um, I just love that. And I almost wish that that was kind of, that was one of my unsung heroes is I wish they would have like shown a little bit more of that. Cause they're just, their relationship was just so cute. And like, it was so brother and sister and very protective. And, you know, she goes after the, um, deviant at the end that killed him, um, and fights him and slices his head in half, which was kind of cool, but yeah, so that was really cool. Um, and I also, upon watching it again, I feel like the first time I was a little confused, like, okay, what's happening here? Who are these people? Why are they on earth? Like, what is going on? So I understood it a little bit more on the second watch. Um, so I think maybe people just need to do that. But I really liked the complexity on the second watch because it's such an age old question and there's not a good answer of what is really the greater good? Is it saving these millions of people on earth? Or is it letting this celestial come out of the earth so that billions more people, beings, universes can be created? So I, it was hard almost to like pin down a villain because I'm like, okay, everybody kind of thinks that they're doing this for the right reason. So I thought that was really interesting. And I like the complexity of that. I feel like it's maybe a little bit more of a philosophical issue which we yeah. sometimes don't see in other mcu movies completely yeah. agree and especially going back to Vina, like i think that is such a great point too of like it is almost touching on like mental health right and which we don't really see especially in superhero movies but like being able to like open that conversation and we've talked about this a lot especially in geeky angel flying of being able to have those conversations through like characters that maybe aren't real like that they're in like another alternate universe or whatever it might be um just being able to have those conversations so like I absolutely love that you brought that up um Noah Brad was there anything that Kate didn't touch on like she absolutely broke that down like perfectly what was like the positives for you that we haven't touched on yet I mean the other one I would say is just like it's really cool to get to see Jack Kirby's kind of creations put on screen um a lot of his work obviously has been adapted, but, you know, if anyone is not familiar with it, I mean, he basically went from Marvel creating this kind of Ragnarok type universe in Marvel, went to DC, did New Gods, which I would love to see adapted one day, and then went back to Marvel, which is when he kind of really went further in depth in the Eternals to kind of like round it out. So Jack Kirby was a big expert about mythology so it was really cool getting to see how much of that and i think that gets taken for granted a lot is people are like oh how cool these filmmakers like did this and they made it icarus because this and then like we forget sometimes like they were they're adapting work that like was done before so i think jack kirby i don't want i don't know if he counts as an unsung hero because hopefully he's not unsung but you know i think he's definitely someone like worth recognizing what for you noah yeah, I mean, I just think that I, I respect the movie because it was just so ambitious. Um, and the things that they did, Chloe Zhao the, is the director. And I think, listen, is this a perfect movie? Well, no, obviously not. Like, it's it was slow at times. It's a little bit too long. There's a lot of other flaws of the movie. 
but the movie was really ambitious what they did with the characters um I mean we haven't even talked about the sex scene I don't think there's been a sex scene a straight up sex scene in an MCU movie before. right that was crazy I thought of that when I was re-watching I was like I don't remember I, I remember it being talked about but I just forgotten about it and then when we were re-watching it I was kind of like this has to be the first time there's like sex in a Marvel movie right like, like bookmark bookmark <laughs> I mean, I'm like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, yeah, but this is like Disney Marvel. I'm like, I, I don't remember this. Yeah, but not not in a movie, right? Right, right. I don't know. I thought that like even just things like that. I mean, they they did things that hadn't been done before, and I think that things like that, whenever anybody in in, in whatever they're doing, whatever project, anytime they try to do something new, like they should have some respect about that, and I think that's pretty cool for them yeah. to do. And just beyond that, the fact that that Fastos is an openly gay character um, and not in the way that, you know, people are outraged about uh, when, when things like that get that brought into movies like this and there's boycotting and there there's may, maybe people would say that a reason that this is ranked so lowly on uh, uh, ranked so low on Rotten Tomatoes or wherever else is because people are offended about certain things like that. But I don't know. I mean, this was not just a kiss at the end of the movie. I mean, he was an openly gay character who was one of the main characters of the movie. And I think that that's something that you do not normally see in a superhero, a Disney movie like this. So I just think the movie was ambitious. But really, again, anytime you can have Jon Snow and Rob Stark talking about Cersei. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's just wild to me. Like, yeah. it just, that, was, that was my number one takeaway the first time I saw it is like, Oh my God! They're just—they—they they are both in love with Cersei. Jon Snow and Rob Stark, different spelling of Cersei. But still, like, oh shit, that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was pretty cool. It's kind of confused me so much the first time. What? I—I th- I was just saying. Yeah. I think that's what confused me so much the first oh. time. Oh, like, <laughs> like, like stuff really happening of like these characters and Cersei. I had no background of this. Like obviously, like you guys touched upon. What were you gonna say, Kate? Just one last little note also um, about like the positives and stuff. I remember when I heard that there was a movie coming out, a Marvel movie with Angelina Jolie, Selma Hayek, um, and then whatever, whatever their real names are, Rob Stark's real Kid name, Harrington. Kit Harrington. <laughs> ah, worst fan. I was just like, oh my gosh, like they, like this is a cast. Like I could, I could not believe like those A-listers were going to be in this huge, like, marvel movie so like that's another like really cool thing that like i would never expect yeah it's kind of mind-blowing to me honestly that like like mind-boggling i guess is that we're having this discussion of because this movie's ranked the lowest like of all the things we're saying we liked about it i'm like it like i fail to remember that the reason we're having it's ranked the lowest marvel movie like come on like there's no way this is you know it's kind of crazy to think that too because as we're talking about this now and just thinking about the themes and, and just really the tone of our moods and the things that we said during this podcast and comparing it to the tones and the themes of the podcast we did previously about Thor, Love and Thunder, which we all liked. Yeah. I feel like we were way more negative talking about that movie than we have been about this one. Yeah, I think true. so too. Yeah. And I think too, because like, obviously like this was so new to us too, like, opening like the like idea of like the celestials and eternals and stuff like that so it was a ground level movie right like that we just are not 
always these two. And as we talked about in Thor before, like they just really made a joke of like his character that I think was like big. But speaking of that, you guys, you all touched upon this um, as you guys were talking, but why does the Eternals have the hate that it has? We are all like to your point, Noah, we are talking so positively about this movie. It has a fucking A-list uh celebs like it like yeah it moves slow sometimes but what movie doesn't especially now that it's like oh that's like you know we should like we have these movies that go two and a half three hours that's what it is nowadays why does the eternals have the hate that it has why does it have a 49 maybe 46 percent i'm great at research uh why does it have this below 50 percent ranking on Rotten Tomatoes. Why does it have the number one spot of the worst MCU movie? In my opinion, it doesn't it doesn't belong there. To me, it's absolutely insane that the next lowest ranking movie, Thor, The Dark World, which is the second Thor movie, is almost 20 percentage points higher ranked than this one. It's insane to me. It, it really is. And I think that to an extent, I know this might sound insulting, but I compare this a little bit with the first Suicide, uh, Suicide Squad movie, where the movie itself was more about introducing the characters, developing the characters, telling the story of the characters coming together, and there it wasn't as much about the storyline. And this kind of was like that a little bit, where it, it was more important to establish all these characters, which it was. It was an origin story no one knew about these characters before. And so they had a lot of heavy lifting to do in terms of bringing these characters together, establishing who they are, making you care about them. And so some of the things uh, within the storyline were kind of second fiddle, hence the kind of lackluster villains, the, the deviants, and, and so on and so on. But overall, I mean, I, I really, I was a, an Eternals apologist from the beginning. I like to even more of on second review. It's again, not one of the best. I think it's a middle of the road. But really, I'd put this somewhere around Age of Ultron for me personally, somewhere around Age of Ultron, just saying a lot, considering you have a lot of very popular, very established characters. I know Age of Ultron was disappointing and, and we might have an episode dedicated to that later on. But yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed this movie. I agree, Noah. I think like there was a lot of heavy lifting because they had to really establish from the very beginning of like who these people were, what they were doing. I think it could have been broken up more and I think that would have made it more enjoyable. But Kate, what do you think? Like, what were your overall, overall thoughts of like why you think like this has the worst, this should not be the worst ranked MCU movie in my opinion. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I cannot believe it's like at the bottom of the list. Like that is, that's crazy. But I think the reason is because kind of like Noah said, like you're just establishing these characters from the ground up. People don't know them, you know, like other MCU movies, we, we know the characters, like we've grown to love them like over time. So it coming in brand new, I think that's hard to connect with people and to get them like interested, even though these are really interesting characters. Um, I think it's a little bit more serious than other MCU movies. Like there's not as much humor. Of course, there's like some funny lines in there, but nothing that made me like, LOL, like other movies. You're not going Yeah. So I think it's a little bit more serious. And um, 
it's also less related to the MCU. Like all the other movies, I feel like they're pretty like intertwined. You know, they're all about characters that are like in the Avengers or related to the Avengers. So we're we're very much like in that world. And we we know all of the like little Easter eggs and the references that they make. And they did make some references to Thanos and the blip and and uh, the Avengers not having a leader, which was kind of funny. Um, but I think that's also something that people look for now. And it wasn't really in this movie. Like it's just not as related to the other MCU movies. And I feel like people miss that. But like, I think like that's kind of enjoyable too. Like, you know, like we talk about this a lot of like, you know, watching these movies. And if you miss like, so for example, like if you miss Spider-Man 2, you miss a lot when it's Spider-Man No Way Home. Like you miss a lot, you can still watch it, but you're missing a lot of those inside, that insider information, right? So being able to have like this new storyline that still kind of ties in, in my opinion, I think is is really great. But Brad, like obviously you, you referenced earlier that you made a complete 180 on this movie. Um, why do you think it has so much hate? Obviously, like, I mean, we all watched it. We actually all watched it together originally in the theaters. Was it in the theaters or did we all watch it at Noah's house? We watched actually? it at Noah's house while he we was gone. It, which is basically <laughs> like, yeah, basically like a theater. I watched Noah's plant. We watched it at my house when I was not even there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like a theater for us. It was a free theater for us. But you did a 180 on this movie. Obviously, we all had our opinions about it the very first time we watched. We all rewatched what changed for you and why do you think people hate it so much or not even hate it but just don't yeah. like it as much as others um it's hard to say like what changed for me I, maybe part of it is is knowing some scenes are going to be slow okay we're about to have a 10 minute fight the monster in the forest scene and, and maybe like expecting those scenes to be like okay like i i know that's a, like this is going to happen but it's okay because the overall story is really cool and i really do like the you know like kate said the philosophical like kind of debates and that to me was the best like part of the movie so i think i was a little bit more willing to like sit through those scenes that are a random fight scene that you know i'm like nothing big is going to come out of this fight scene right now so to the movie yeah like so i think i just had more patience for those kind of scenes and there's a lot of movies i like feel that way about like i go back and watch like the star wars uh, like original prequels and i like them a lot more now because i know where the overall story is going that it, it's okay to like just sit through like the kind of bad parts and be like okay as a whole i enjoy this so i'm willing Dude, the to prequels kinda... have puppets though is that okay with you that's to be man george lucas really steered away actually I do have something about the puppets, but I'm not, no. You, you talk about puppets every episode, I swear to God. Like, all, I, no, no, no. You've all lost that chance now. You've all lost that chance. But no, as to why it gets the hate, I hope it's a little bit more of what Kate talked about, that it isn't something that's kind of tied in and, oh, this happened because of this. I would hope it's because of that and a little less because of the diversity because there's, you know, like a homosexual relationship in it. Sometimes I worry that these are the, re you know, reasons that fans go on there and like tank these movies. So if I want to stay positive, it's going to be a little bit more of what Kate talked about in terms of like people going in being like, oh, I want to see like Iron Man make an appearance. And it's like, it's not that movie. It's not supposed to be that kind of movie. Yeah. 
I agree. I hope it's not like that either. Um, I don't think it deserves the hate. I think we all agree on that. Um, Kate referenced this a little bit earlier. There were some Easter eggs in this movie. There's definitely something that maybe suggests that we're going to see more of the Eternals and that it's going to tie in more into the MCU that we all know and love. Um, who wants to talk about those Easter eggs? Because I'm terrible at them. So. I'll, I'll take some of that. Oh, wow. <laughs> So first Let's off, in an, in an interview uh, recently, actually, just in the last couple of weeks, Patton Oswalt, who voiced the Pip the Troll <laughs> character, who honestly, this was on my list for um, cringiest moment, was the fact that, I'm going to go back on that. The CGI throughout this movie was really good, I thought, for the most part. I just really liked the animations of like somehow like the, I don't know, their costumes and like the way that the weapons on specifically Athena's were, were made. It was just really cool. Um, in that post credit scene where the troll came in, voiced by Patton Oswalt, that was cringe bad, I thought. It's like they had literally no money left and they're just like, oh, crap. Some I told Kate the same thing. They it mailed was... it in on Pip. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. Like, it was so different from the rest of the movie. I don't understand. Yeah. It was so bad. It was really embarrassing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he confirmed in an interview that there will be a sequel to this movie. So we have not seen the last of the Eternals. It will be directed again by Chloe Zhao. So uh, happy about that, I guess. But in terms of some Easter eggs, I have two big ones. The first one is uh, revolving about our boy Jon Snow, a.k.a. Kit Harington, a.k.a. Dane Whitman. So he plays a character in the Marvel Universe called the Black Knight. And it's kind of strange. It's all um, tied into King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and stuff like that. But his family exists all the way through that kind of bloodline and it's even theorized that that he is a cousin or something of king arthur himself so he says it at the end that oh my my family history is complicated cersei okay but that's what they kind of hint to there and anyway he plays the black knight and you see in the post credit scene where he actually opens up a case that contains what's called the ebony blade the ebony blade is very similar to what we talked about in the last podcast but the Necrosword, the All Black, the Necrosword is what Gore had, which is a sword that's all powerful and it corrupts the person that is holding it. So it's something that when you hold it, you're cursed. And that's why he said, like, I have to try something. And then he opens and grabs the sword and you hear a voice. That voice is actually of my guy, Marshala Ali, who is going to be the next Blade. And so we haven't seen him yet, but he says, quote, so you're, uh, are you sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman? And that's a big tie-in to what could potentially be happening with him turning into the Black Knight. I don't know, teaming up with Blade, who knows? But there obviously is going to be a future in the MCU for Kit Harrington and his character of Dane Whitman. So that's one big Easter egg there. The next one is about my other guy, Harry Styles, who showed up in the second post credit scene with the terrible CGI <laughs> Uh, and introduces himself as Eros, aka Star Fox, who is Thanos's brother. Obviously, Harry Styles looks a lot different than <laughs> Thanos did. There's conversations about how they're both Eternals. Thanos had a gene, a deviant gene, or something like that to make Thanos look different. Uh, but it looks like Eros is going to be helping out the Eternals to um, find now Cersei, Pip, and. I don't know, whichever other one gets kidnapped uh, and held captive at the end of the movie by the Celestials. So we'll see 
but those are two Easter eggs about the future and where the Eternals fit into the MCU going forward. That's definitely a lot to unpack there. Uh, I mean, do you guys, so I think you actually kind of already touched on this, but where do we go from here? Do we think we're going to see more of the Eternals in the next MCU movies? Do we think that they're going to be like, you know, do we think that it's going to go back into time? You reference the bullet in Eternals and they reference Thanos, obviously, like you see Harry Styles, who um, I think, in my opinion, I think they look exactly alike. So I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so <laughs> like little, where do we think that we're going to go from here? <laughs> I would love to see a section on Harry Styles. This is a family podcast, uh, Noah. So how dare you make me say that? <laughs> how dare you make me say that, Noah? No, but like, where do we go from here? Like, I mean, before we like kind of reference what we're going to do next week, which is going to be very fun, in my opinion, where do we go from here? Do we think the Eternals, was it just something like trying to just test the waters? Were they just trying to see, is it popular? Uh, is it not? Like, do they not even give a shit about them anymore? Like, because it was like a 49% rated movie? Like, what's going to happen? Brad, let's let's hear your thoughts because you are definitely the comic book guy. Uh, well, you know, no, it's, they're they're coming back for Eternals too, which I'm excited about. I think there's still like a lot they could do with these characters. Obviously, uh, you know, it kind of oddly enough, other than the first Avengers and Infinity War, I can't think of a movie that ended on like a bleaker tone. Kind of, you know, it's one of the few movies. I mean, even Guardians of the Galaxy, like has closure to it you know all these movies seem to have closure i would say this movie had the least closure to it aside from infinity war in terms of okay like the heroes just got kidnapped at the end of this they're gonna stand trial like what is gonna happen next so it's definitely deserving of a sequel and i'm glad it's gonna get one that kind of tie up those ends a lot of times i haven't looked at this list there's a list of like post-credit scenes that really never went anywhere and I think we all remember the ones that, oh, that, that was great. That one set up this one. But there's also a list out there of a few of them that like never really went anywhere. And I was really hoping this wouldn't be one of those movies that like Marvel just kind of scraps and forgets about and says, we're going to go a completely different direction. I agree. Like, I, I'm actually excited, like, to your guys' point, like, I actually liked it better on the rewatch. Like, just like every other movie, um, I thought there was definitely things that could be cut. I think that there were things that could be added. It was a lot slower for me, but I'm glad that it was more of a serious tone. So I really enjoyed that, especially because, you know, when you talk about Eternals and you talk about like, you know, the history of like gods, like it's not just Greek like mythology, it's not just Roman mythology. It's like, you know, they talk about Mesopotamia and like all these different things. So like, I really did enjoy that. Um, before we wrap things up, Kate, do you have anything that you wanted to say about like where do you think this is going do you or or even where do you hope that it's going like what like as a fan watching this movie what do you hope is going to come out of this yeah kind of like brad said i mean i thought it was really interesting that they left it literally wide open like it was like a cliffhanger basically um so that was really interesting and they left it open for eternals too so i definitely hope that they're in the works with that because I think it'd be really interesting because I know um Makari and Druid were actually going to other universes to break free oh the other Eternals so like that's really interesting like I want to know more about that and you know if they have resistance there or like 
what's going on if they could build like an army of eternals or something like that'd be cool um so i don't know yeah we'll see where it goes the post-credit scenes were really interesting um harry styles as a superhero like i didn't expect that either like that's kind of crazy to me but um i'm interested to see where it goes and i'll say one more thing i think that obviously this is a departure for from the way it is in the comics but the celestials reminded me a lot especially how they depict them kind of looming over earth and particularly in that final scene where um arishem who is the prime etern or excuse me prime celestial uh is kind of in there talking to cersei and them about do humans deserve to live you know you saved them but i'll be the one to judge through your memories if they deserve to stay alive that's just kind of a wild concept to me and it reminded me a lot of Galactus. And, and really, if they kind of change some things in the MCU to make Galactus a celestial or something like that, then they could tie in the Fantastic Four with the Eternals. They could they could tie in a lot of different things and really start bringing everything together, which would be really interesting to me. That's actually a great point, Noah. And like, even like that also kind of like ties into like Thanos and like his like thinking too. So of him being like, yo, like we literally are overpopulated. Like this is the only way that like the human race is going to survive. Like this is the only way that is possible. So it just opens up that idea of like, you know, when we talk about maybe not all villains are bad or come from a bad place. Like they come from somewhere that they think is going to help in the long run. That's just in their own way. Well, again, Arishem's design was to destroy earth and destroy these one-off planets. But in order to sacrifice that and bring about an entire galaxy and millions and millions and millions of people and creatures and whatever the hell. So, so exactly the philosophical question of, you know, is that sacrifice worth it? Yeah, it was that, well, that was a really good like, question on it. Like, I really thought they did a good job of that, too. And I wish it would have brought up the point, like, it is interesting as much as you're like, what a monster he's going to destroy all of earth but like how many people have lived and you know maybe the movie was trying to get at this but how many people like have lived full lifetimes on this earth it was you know it's a tragedy for the people who live on earth at the time in which this would happen but there are plenty of people who lived great lives and full lives so it wasn't like he created earth and then 10 years later was like okay so like i really just thought that was good that that was kind of like you understood why different heroes kind of questioned it and felt differently about it, it was believable yep and to your point it's like the quality of life as well right just because someone's living a life like or even a full life doesn't necessarily mean that it's like a quality life mm -hmm. which is something obviously that we're battling even to this day for sure um we going next Kelsey. what are we doing next week next week let's wrap it up okay so obviously i think we all agree that eternals does not deserve the ranking that it is um so next week we are taking a little big from the mcu universe i personally am so excited i hope 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 that it is something that is going to be worth talking about and like that is going to be con a continuation of such an amazing series i'm going to break down the very first episode of house of the dragon um so we hope that you guys tune in obviously we are going to break it down uh just kind of talk about our initial thoughts and feelings obviously talk a little bit about how game of thrones ended where we are at with uh you know house of the dragon it's obviously a prequel to everything that we saw in game of thrones itself um but you guys what are you thinking 
really quick, let's like just do a quick round table. I'm excited. I hope they don't fuck it up. I love Game of Thrones. I love like <laughs> I love that family. Kate, what are you most most excited for with House of the Dragon? Well, I mean, I thought the trailers were good. Um, they got me pretty excited. Like, I don't know, they got some good actors and like actually there's only one actor that I knew. It was the guy from Doctor Who um and and morbius morbius so bad decision in the portfolio there but um <laughs> maybe we'll do a podcast on morbius but anyway um i think it's kind of cool that like a lot of the other actors are fairly like unknown like i didn't know who they were so um and i also heard that george r, r. martin was a big like component of this of making it so that gives me a lot of hope because obviously when he's involved his work like he did a lot of great work on you know the early seasons of game of thrones so i'm really looking forward to it i'm excited i love it noah you've never read the book so what are you thinking i am cautiously optimistic i love game of thrones i don't know if he knows about me but i was actually um deemed king in the north uh at the game of thrones tour in northern ireland i don't know if did i not tell you that story that's yeah, for another time but uh, I am cautiously optimistic about it. Um, I'm trying not to to build it up too much in my head because we did that with Game of Thrones. We all love that. And I just hope that it can get it to be a, um, you know, something that's talked about positively again uh, amongst society because GOT, not as much anymore. Brad? I am optimistic not even hopelessly optimistic because unlike game of thrones there's a clear beginning middle and end to the story already and they're adapting work that already exists and aren't gonna have to figure things out as they go and be like oh crap i kind of was hoping george r, r. martin would have like told us what's gonna happen next like this is a point in history kind of like like andor from star wars and like all these like i always feel comfortable at it when it's like okay we already know where this has to go but how can we make it interesting in the time being? So, yeah. you know, kind of like the Titanic movie. I, I don't know why that's the reference I thought of. Like, they knew what the end of that movie was going to be. Or... They knew what the end of that movie was going to be. But they were like, how do we make it interesting in the meanwhile? And, like, it seems like most movies and shows like that have a good track history. Okay. Well, one thing I'll say real quick <laughs> is that it, it is an exciting time coming up because... As we just detailed, we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, first episode next week. But before that, in this next week coming up, She-Hulk Attorney at Law uh, premieres first episode on Thursday, August 18th. And then Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon comes out this coming Sunday, August 21st. Following that will be the first episode of Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, which will be Friday, September 2nd. So I'm very excited for that one as well. There is a $465 million budget for the first season of the Lord of the Rings show. So, hey, that's another one. Cautiously optimistic, but uh, but, but I'm excited. Lots of CGI. Awesome. That means not enough puppets. but yeah. <laughs> Not enough puppets. Never. Never enough. There's never enough in the budget for puppets, according to Brad. So we're going to leave it at that. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Please let us know your thoughts. What are you excited for this upcoming week? Obviously, there is a lot of geeky news happening. Um, we talked about a little bit Game of Thrones. We're going to talk about House of the Dragon next week. We are working on a Game of Thrones docuseries that is coming up in the Geek and You Shall Find universe. We have our own universe. So make sure to subscribe. We're at 
superhero faces on Twitter, as well as Facebook, as well as superhero underscore faces on Instagram. Uh, please make sure to like, subscribe, share, show, sh share your comments too, as well in the comments below. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you all for joining us today. You have absolutely amazing thoughts, uh, way more than I would ever think about Eternal. So we will see you next week right here for Geeking You Shall Find, the podcast. See you there. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers.